Happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Welcome to issue 62 of 3 Bzine Presents, the TomCast Popcast, also known as Popcast. I am the host of these Yuletide festivities. My name is Tom. Please follow our show on social media at TomCast underscore Popcast on Twitter, at the TomCast underscore Popcast on Instagram. You can email the show at TomCastPopcast at gmail.com. And finally, you can join Pophead Nation at patreon.com's forward slash TomCastPopcast where you can join that Pophead Nation for a low, low monthly fee of $1. Or pay more and get more cool stuff out of it. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspen Hill Chody, the Squidmaster General Brian Broussard, and our newest Patreon, Jeff Nail, the Batman of Bay Park. Finally, please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you prefer. And if you want, go ahead, leave us a five-star review. Let the, let the folks know that we're doing good stuff over here on the TomCast Popcast. So we're here today. We're finally getting back on track as far as talking about uh, The Watchmen. We are on episode eight right now of The Watchmen. That was the one that just aired this past Sunday. And uh, it was another good one. This episode is uh, titled, A God Walks Into A-Bar. And it's A-Bar, like Angela A-Bar. I love clever wordplay like that. It's uh, directed by Nicole Castle, written by Damon Lindelof, and Jeff Jensen. So this is kind of a complicated episode to explain in a lot of ways, because there's a lot of things going on in it. Uh, just like just like most episodes of The Watchmen, there's, there's a lot to kind of process and sort through in here. But uh, the, best, the best way I can, I can describe it is, is, like, this is The Watchmen's version of a, of a, of a meet-cute, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's the story of of Angela meeting Dr. Manhattan and, and falling in love with him. But the way it's told is very unique and very different because of Dr. Manhattan's power set, which sort of changes the, the it puts the, the notion of the meat cute on its head. We open the scene, we open the episode uh, with Dr. Manhattan arriving in, in Saigon, in Vietnam. And he pops into the street that we've seen a dozen times whenever they go to Vietnam, it's at, it's 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 the street where Angela's parents were killed, where her grandmother died before taking her back to Tulsa. Uh, it's it's a street intrinsically tied intrinsically tied to Angela's traumas, and Doctor Manhattan literally walks into a bar, <laughs> to not only to meet Angela a bar, but he has to go into a bar. So he goes down that alley, right where June passed away, where you see the the mural on the on the brick wall of Doctor Manhattan and how it's. It's graffiti's been changed over the years, and and, and uh, there's some. If you if you look at the graffiti from episode seven to episode eight, you'll see it's it's changed quite a bit, and in some pretty funny ways. So he walks into a bar. Now the name of the bar is also of interest. Nice little Easter egg here. The bar is named Eddie's Place, Mister Eddie's Place. Uh, possibly a nice reference to uh, Doctor Manhattan's fellow comrade from the Minutemen, who was in Vietnam with him, Eddie Blake, the comedian, uh, who we've talked about before for his uh, heinous actions of, of gunning down war mistress, if you want to call her that, the, the, the woman that uh, he conceived a child with and then uh, shot a couple of times and in front of Dr. Manhattan as Dr. Manhattan just stood there and watched. Does that come into play? Is, are, is, are 
our several of our suspicions going to come true with the comedian's ties to Vietnam, possibly to Lady True, to Lady True's mother, perhaps. Uh, time will tell. We don't have any any definitive information on on that front just yet, but uh, we're getting there. It's very interesting the way the scene plays out in the bar as Dr. Manhattan approaches Angela, who's sitting at a table by herself. It is VVN Day, so people are celebrating and reveling around her. But as we, as we know from the previous episode, uh, VVN Day is a day of tragedy to, for Angela. This is the day her parents were, were murdered by the suicide bomber. So she's sitting at the bar. She's, she's commemorating them by, by drinking alone on, on VVN Day. She's in, she's in her police uniform. She's an officer in the Saigon Police Department, as predicted in Episode 7. When Dr. Manhattan approaches with a beer, and Angela mistakes him for a, a reveler of VVN Day, a man, a blue man sitting down and we see other blue men in this episode so angela takes a lot of it as a joke it's interesting the way again it's it's a it's it's the watchman's take on a meet cute and it's dr manhattan so everything's very very literal what happens is dr manhattan basically lays out the history of their relationship just and at every turn angela doubts it and questions it and manhattan has an explanation and is 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 prepared to offer answers as to why they're going to go on a date tomorrow night, why they're going to fall in love, why they're going to be together and happy for 10 years. And it's uh, really, really well done stuff. Where the episode starts gets, gets complicated is where we are put in to Dr. Not necessarily put into, but where we are sort of being shown the way in which Dr. Manhattan experiences time, uh, which I thought was a, a fascinating take on the character and his power set, uh, because it's not something we explored in, in any great depth in the graphic novel in 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 the Zack Snyder film. Um, the, the the way Manhattan experiences all of time at once, so that he is effectively in a million different places all at once, and how that is uh, problematic down the road for Angela and their relationship. This this godlike being who experiences time in, in ways that are beyond the comprehension of, of, of human beings, of normal human beings. And this, this is all leading up to what was revealed at the end of last week's episode, that, that Calvin Abar is, in fact, Dr. Manhattan. And, you know, I don't need to necessarily go into all the complexities of the relationship, because as you've watched the episode, you saw, you saw it. I mean, it's laid out for us. And Every event that Manhattan predicts comes to pass. Where the episode gets interesting is, well, I, I should not say it that way. The episode's in, in, infinitely fascinating, infinitely interesting th throughout. Um, but for the purposes of the podcast today, like I said, we're not going to do the, like the beat. Well, I didn't tell you, <laughs> but clearly we're not going to do the beat by beat take on this because, um, I think this is one of those episodes, much like episode six, that needs to be kind of experienced. You know, Dr. Manhattan's power set is is uh, complex enough that I would feel kind of foolish trying just to show, to, trying, to, trying to convey the subtleties, trying to convey the complexities of, of a man who experiences time all at once. There are several fascinating pieces of dialogue that Manhattan uh, uh, shares with, with Angela, um, and particularly when it comes to experiencing fear. And he tells her, quite frankly, that... Uh, despite the fact that he has this calm exterior, this calm appearance, and that he's like 
super rational, super detached from from everything. That while he may appear that way every second of his life, he's re-experiencing his last moments as John Osterman and being torn apart atom by atom and the fear that he felt as he was going through that process. So it, it adds a real something else to that character that I don't think we've really gotten to, to uh, know before about him. And it, it again, it does a damn fine job of, of making this um, character who would appear to be the most inhuman of all, uh, it gives him a little bit of his humanity back. You know, we, we, you may remember from the graphic novel, from the film, at the end of that story, Dr. Manhattan does not feel like part of humanity anymore. He leaves Earth because he doesn't understand humans anymore. And this version that, of Manhattan that comes back 20 years later uh, is very different than, than uh, the Manhattan that left Earth. And while it's not as clearly defined as I would have liked it to be, it certainly seems that his experience creating life on Europa is responsible for him wanting to come back to humanity. Now, there's also a certain part of that, which is Dr. Manhattan's, not even a struggle, but his, his willingness to accept inevitability. He sees time in front of him in a, in a way that we can't, so he just acts and to follow the time. So he doesn't actively struggle against the time because he believes that you cannot resist the flow of time which plays into the end of the episode. But we'll get a little bit more into that as, as we kind of pro progress through this conversation. I'm hoping I can make this all make sense and make an entertaining podcast out of this because, um, as we know, I am not a, a person with an uh, advanced physics degree in, in quantum mechanics or any of those other uh, very heady, very sciencey, brainy things. Uh, but this episode does a good job of making sure that I don't have to be to understand what they're talking about. But trying to convey it in a podcast might be a challenge for me, so we'll see how that goes. So, so going back to this this new version of Manhattan, uh, like I said, we talked about him leaving Earth. We we see him go to Europa. We see him terraform the planet, where he he forms an atmosphere. He forms the the bed of water. He 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 basically terraforms the moon, um, a, a large swath of the moon. We obviously know that it is not entirely. Um, is not entirely terraformed. We've seen uh, we've seen Adrian Veidt have to leave, have to wear a special suit for for breathing, and so he wouldn't freeze. So he hasn't terraformed the entire planet, probably for fear of what uh, the the humans on Earth might think of that if they were to see what he did. So that that dispels the 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 theory that I had that he was that 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 prison that Veidt was in was some sort of pocket universe pocket dimension it's, it's clearly exists within the confines of europa the the celestial body of jupe over jupiter and it just has happens to have limits it's it's, it's uh, not boundless so when you after you hit a certain point you leave that atmosphere and you are on a dead moon but on a, you're on a dead moon and that's what that is but after he creates life, and we find out why Cruxshanks and Mr. Phillips look the way they look, we go back to we go back to to John's childhood, pre Doctor Manhattan, pre scientist, pre the events of the graphic novel, to see him as a young boy with his father as they're fleeing Europe from from the Nazis, and it's uh, this this English 
Lord and his wife are taking in the refugees and, and helping them get to America to start new lives. And you see that the, the Lord and the lady are identical to, they are the basis for Mr. Phillips in, in Crookshanks. And uh, there's some fascinating stuff in that scene as well, where they give John a Bible. And even though he is, his father is an atheist, uh, he's, you know, the, the, the lady of the manor tells him to just read it for the stories, if nothing else. Uh, and it, it, again, it's a nice composition to a godlike character who's not yet a godlike character, who's just a boy. But it, it, it fleshes out that, that personality of John Osterman's prior to his uh, Dr. Manhattanizing. While we're talking about his time on Europa, it is Dr. Manhattan who transports the manor house to Europa. We find out that, that he did that because that is the manor house of the Lord and Lady who took in him and his father. Uh, and it was very special to him because it was a, sort of a safe haven for him. So he transports it there so that it's there for his creations to inhabit. Uh, but his creations don't seem to have the level of, of free will that, that he would have liked them to have. And they, their, their constant adoration of him grows tiresome, and he becomes bored. And so eventually, he leaves, which um, is an interesting... I don't know if you want to say comparison, but it's, it's interesting to, to consider if, if you want to get into like a, like a religious conversation, which I normally don't, but obviously, you know, religion for many, many centuries has been a big part of the life on planet Earth. And, you you know, there's many people that, if they choose to believe in a, in a higher being, also like to sometimes believe that maybe that higher being left a long, long time ago, and that's why things are kind of the way they are. Whether you subscribe to that or not, that is 100% completely up to you, and I will not... Uh, that that's your business. <laughs> We're not going to go down that road because uh, you know what? Everyone's beliefs are their own beliefs, and I don't have any problem with people believing what they believe as long as your beliefs don't hurt anybody else. Then we're all on the same page and we're all good. And so, as he leaves Europa, is when he again having the foresight of his own timeline, he knows that he meets Angela and falls in love. So now it's time to go to Earth and meet Angela and fall in love, or for her to fall in love with him at least. So he abandons his creation. Now, as his relationship with Angela is developing, Manhattan seeks a solution to the problem of his powers, of his experiencing time all at once, of his foresight, of his omnipotence, if you will. And he does to, in order to sort of come up with a solution, he goes to the one man who almost... Well, you don't even want to say almost, but who made at least a valiant effort at trying to destroy Dr. Manhattan in the original graphic novel. He goes to find Adrian Veidt living in his Karnak base down in in Antarctica. And you you see Veidt living alone, upset, bored, frustrated. You know, Adrian watches the world on, on the television, and he's completely beside himself that the world isn't taking advantage of the opportunities that he gave them by what he did in 1985 with the squid monster attack. And you also see what we talked about previously, that that Veidt is insanely frustrated that he can't claim responsibility, that uh, his his ego and his hubris will not be satisfied living in the shadows, not being able to take credit 
for the avert, for being the one who averted the you know nuclear disaster and like dr manhattan himself he's quite bored so manhattan goes to have a conversation with Veidt, and in which we find out that uh, adrian had other plans for for getting rid of dr manhattan and one of the interesting ones was this little ring that's been uh doused with tachyon particles so that uh, Dr. Manhattan can't uh, perceive its existence, can't perceive what it is. It's in a box, and Invite asks him, do you know what this is? And it's a, a blank spot for Dr. Manhattan. He can't perceive what it is because of these tachyon particles that have been uh, showered on the on the object. And Vite explains to him that this device, this this little ring here, this contraption, this, this alloy, this metal, whatever it is exactly, um, will give him amnesia. It will make him forget who he is. This is Manhattan's opportunity to put his powers away and live his life like a normal man again. I should mention, too, at this point, uh, through through the development of their relationship, Angela and Dr. Manhattan have settled on a new form for Dr. Manhattan to take, and that is the body of Cal, the, the body we are familiar with, to assume this appearance, which I, uh, I think Veidt finds amusing, as, as he seems to be somewhat aware of the racial difficulties that exist in the world, but he doesn't give it as nearly as much credit, m much attention as he should, obviously, because we realize now that maybe if Adrian had his eye more on this particular problem, he would have been able to do something else about this, uh, perhaps, you know, who knows. But his ego would not allow for something that was that was not as grandiose as nuclear Armageddon. Apparently, you know, racial tensions were uh, be below him; but they were beneath his uh, scope, as it were. So Manhattan has the ring, and we know what's going to happen. He's, they're going to use the ring, and Angela's going to put it in his forehead, and he's going to forget. And they come up with they they construct this this elaborate story, the amnesia. That's why they relocate back to Tulsa. Blah 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 blah. All the stuff that we kind of know. But before that happens, we get we get a couple mysteries solved because because of Adrian's boredom, he asks for one favor in return, and that is to go to this paradise. And um, this this paradise that John's created it says it sounds wonderful to be adored and adulated by the people there. And so that's exactly where John. Well, that's exactly what Doctor Manhattan does. He he transports Adrian. He transports Adrian Vite to Europa to live in, in the manor in this new world that Dr. Manhattan has created. Though we know how that turns out. Dr. <laughs> we, uh, Adrian becomes insanely bored being adulated as well. That is uh, the epitome of the human condition, folks. We are never happy. We get what we want, and we're never happy. <laughs> I think that's a fair assumption of, of a lot of folks that we know. We can, we can probably name several people who are just like that. It's uh, important to note, too, that this was in 2009, and that means that I made a mistake on my math. I thought Vite left Earth a little bit later. Um, and as you all know, math, not a strong point for me. So, yeah, it is what it is. I forgot to carry the one or something. Who knows? Or it wasn't divisible by eight. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, numbers, whatever. But that shifts our timeline. So remember we talk, what, we, what we've discussed. Every little Adrian Veidt vignette in every episode with the exception of episode 6 is one year's time 
that he is in this 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 prison as he considers it. So that shifts our timeline so that back in episode four, remember when we first meet Lady True and she's buying that farm that would become downtown Tulsa? Yeah. And then they look up in the sky and they see that uh, that something entering the atmosphere, the fire in the sky kind of situation. Well, last week I theorized that the microfusion spaceship might be how Adrian got to Europa into that into that paradise world. But we know that Dr. Manhattan is the one who transported him there now. The microfusion transport the microfusion spaceship may be the way he's getting home though. Again, I'll I'll take partial credit on that. <laughs> Clearly he's in some kind of vehicle and he's coming back to Earth and that's is perhaps what we saw which means that which means that Adrian since the time of the show has been here on Earth in hiding wherever he is. Perhaps he's Perhaps he's that statue in, in Lady True's garden, and we just don't know it. I don't know about that. That seems a little crazy. But it it changes the game completely as far as who is where. Because this all has to factor into Lady True's plan, right? Like, she has a plan. Will Reeves has a plan. We find out that Dr. Manhattan also has a plan because Dr. Manhattan is in an alliance with Will Reeves. It's crazy. So many things come out. This is a great episode for setting the table for for next week's uh, season finale, and let, let's I'm, I'm going to try and dissect a little bit of it as, as much as I can. Again, we're not going to talk too much about the meat cute part because I, you're going to experience it. I, I want you to watch it. It's it's fun to see the way that relationship develops and grows, and to experience Manhattan's powers. At all right, so let's assume that we're all there. We, we're we're caught up here. While we're on the subject of Vite, we should discuss his situation more. He has been found guilty, and now the the servants now, they ask him if he will try to leave again, and he always says yes. They ask him, will he stay? He says no, and every time he says no, he gets a tomato in the face, and then they put him in a cell, and the game warden taunts him and, and, and asks him why he won't change his mind, why he won't stay and be adored by, by the people, by these, by these creations, and he tells them that he can't because Earth needs him. And it's, it's a whole thing. It, it definitely plays into Adrian's ego. 100% ego, ego, ego. But we get a recurring element from the, the Adrian Veidt episodes where you know, this mysterious horseshoe kind of keeps cropping up in, in some of the vignettes. In the first episode, uh, Mr. Phillips hands him a horseshoe to cut the cake with. Uh, I think it was in episode four. He... Going through the bodies, the dead bodies, he finds the horseshoe again. He says he doesn't, doesn't need this yet. Now, he says he doesn't need this yet, which makes me wonder, like, does, does Adrian kind of have some idea of when the horseshoe is going to come into play? I'm not quite sure yet. We might get some answers on that soon. But Crookshanks and, and, and Phillips, they bake the cake for him again. It's, remember, we're on the anniversary every year. So they make him the anniversary cake, and he finds the horseshoe in the cake now. So despite rubbing tomatoes in their master's face. Apparently they are still loyal to him to some degree, unless they accidentally put a horseshoe in a cake, which seems completely silly and random. But this invigorates Adrian, who seemed to be rather beaten down and uh, content to his lot in life, living in the prison cell, reading the same book over and over again. The book is The Fog Dancer, by the way, in case you were checking that out. I believe its connection to Watchmen lore is that it is written is a book written by the same guy who writes the Black Freighter book. I believe that's the connection there. I'll have to double-check that. 
But Adrian starts working his way. He, he uses that horseshoe, and he's going to dig his way out. He's going to start tunneling with that bad boy. And uh, I'm assuming we'll see the escape next week. And like, I, like I'm theorizing now, he's going to go, get his suit on. He's going to leave the void, and he's going to find Lady True's spaceship waiting for him, and he's going to come home with it. Probably has some kind of homing signal where to come, where to, where to land in Tulsa, because they know what's coming up. All right, so let's get back to Manhattan and the, and the main story here. So after we kind of get caught up on their relationship, we get to the point where, where Angela has woken Dr. Manhattan up. She has pulled the ring out of, out of his head. Cal is back to being Dr. Manhattan, and he's, he's been away for a while, so he's, he's, he's kind of getting his bearings. He's kind of assessing things. Um, and as he's getting in touch with his power base... Angela is able to kind of tell when he's not all there with her. And they're, they're having a conversation out in the backyard. Dr. Manhattan is above walking on water, basically standing on the pool, on the water in the pool. And she asks where he is right now. And that's when he informs Angela that he, right now he is having the conversation 10 years ago with Will Reeves, who is living in New York in the manor, in the estate of his former lover, uh, Captain Metropolis, uh, Nelson Gardner. And we did talk about that a little bit last week. And Angela makes a mistake. This is the the classic chicken and the egg situation. They even say that in the episode. Angela wants Manhattan to ask Will Reeves how he knows Judd Crawford is in Cyclops, how he knows Judd Crawford has a clan robe in his closet. To which Will Reeves replies through Dr. Manhattan, he doesn't know who that is. And that's when Angela realizes that she just started this entire thing. She clued her grandfather into Cyclops' existence, still centered back in Tulsa, and basically triggers the killing of Judd Crawford. Uh, it's, it's really interesting. I thought it was a really neat little twist on... on how this whole thing got started, how this got going. You know, I, I kind of surmised initially that, that Will pursued this on his own, that Will never dropped the investigation into Cyclops. Uh, apparently that is not true. Will was living quite happily uh, in New York City in, in uh, Nelson Gardner's home and just uh, kind of hiding out from the world. And it's when Dr. Manhattan approaches him that all this information comes out. Now, why is Manhattan approaching him? Because of his perception of time, Manhattan knows about the seventh cavalry he knows that they're plan- he knows they have plans for him and that it seems like it's end times for dr manhattan so he goes to enter into an alliance with will reeves what are what is the alliance what are the terms of the alliance what is at stake for both parties unknown i'm sure that will be revealed soon is this perhaps a way for for dr manhattan to save his life it doesn't we don't know because so much of this episode is geared towards the tragedy that will end his relationship with Angela, which sounds makes it sound permanent, like Dr. Manhattan is going to be dead, and, and Dr. Manhattan seems to be aware of this, and Dr. Manhattan seems to accept this. But Dr. Manhattan's never been the most transparent, unless he's trying to be, and by that I just mean like see-through. Uh, he, he's not the most clear with his words. So I suspect the ending that we're going to get for, for Dr. Manhattan may be not 
death necessarily, but something a little different, uh, some other kind of ending perhaps for that character as far as... My speculation is, is so far is that he will end up being a, a, a man again at, at the end of this, that Dr. Manhattan will be no more, and that's why he can't see past this particular moment in his timeline because he loses his ability to, to do so and goes goes back to being a man. Now, I don't know. That's a bit of a happy ending for Watchmen, which it seems a little out of out of uh, left field for, for a Watchmen story to end up with the happy ending where, where Angela and, and Cal get to get to live their life together. Um, yeah, I don't... Uh, it's speculation. It's it's kind of fun at this point. I mean, we've got one episode left, folks. One episode left. So, I mean, a lot could happen in the meantime. But there's so much... There's so many interesting aspects of this show. Again, we're down to one episode. I don't know if this episode, this final season finale is going to run long, if it'll be like a, you know, an hour and a half, hour and 15 minutes or not. But there's a lot to, to kind of get to in this in this show because... It's still interesting to me that, you know, Dr. Manhattan's been on Earth for, for a while now, and never once does it seem that he has any interest in contacting Lori Blake. Never once does it seem like he wants to make any contact with any of his old associates in any sense. So we know that Lori Blake is being held by the 7th Cavalry right now, and as this episode wraps up, the 7th Cavalry is able to pull off their, their plan, despite an excellent attempt by Angela Ibar to kill as many 7th Cavalry members as humanly possible that have rallied, gathered outside of her home to capture Cal, a.k.a. Dr. Manhattan. He still gets captured, as he foresaw and as he warned Angela would happen, no matter what her efforts were, which also, incidentally, her willingness to try and fight against fate is, is why Manhattan falls in love with her, and it's that moment, which is a little weird in that you know, he's with this woman for 10 plus years, but it's not for until like that 10th year that uh, he uh, actually falls in love with her. But when, I guess when you're experiencing time all at once, it doesn't really matter. It's all kind of the same thing, though. I'm not omnipotent, so I couldn't tell you for sure. We also don't know any, no, nothing else happened with, with Wade Tillman. If he's going to be a factor in the show, I can't imagine that he wouldn't be uh, some kind of wild element in in this final episode that's coming up on Sunday night and gosh what else we I mean we don't know that we don't know Lady True's plan we don't know we don't know we don't know much about Lady True and her connection with Will Reeves if Ozymandias is there what is he doing is he uh, he must be involved in the in the man in the uh in the Millennium Clock that that seems a reasonable assumption right or is he just you know sitting in a bunker somewhere watching watching uh watching Game of Thrones I you know I don't know he he probably had a lot of TV to catch up on. It's hard to say. It's hard to say, but it's it's a fascinating episode, and it's really really well done, as as all of them have been. And the performances again are top notch. Uh, we have to give a big shout out to uh, Yaya Abdul Mateen II for his uh, excellent portrayal in in this episode. His take on Doctor Manhattan is a very good, very fantastic. It's a nuance. It's a deep performance. Especially in the in the opening number, where where in that in that time period where we're seeing him and Angela's initial encounter, and you're not even seeing his face, but he's he's the camera's very focused on his hands and the motions that he does with his hands, and whether that's Mateen himself, I don't know for sure. It could easily not be, uh, but I want to give the actor credit if it's if it is indeed him, because 
he does a, a wonderful number of, of the small things that, that are very powerfully portrayed. And we do have to talk about one aspect of the episode that may be the most confusing to all of us. Um, and that is, why doesn't Manhattan just, you know, snap his fingers, Thanos-style, and wipe out the 7th Cavalry? Why not just do this thing? And the only rational thought I have on the topic, because I don't know why he doesn't do it either necessarily, but it's, it's again, what we talked a, bit, a little bit about before on the show, is that uh, he seems to be convinced of the inevitability of time, that no matter what he does, that end is going to happen. So whether he blinks out the 7th Cavalry all at once, something will still, is still going to come to end him, to take him away. And then that's kind of Manhattan's struggle. He's a, he's a bit of... He's a bit more of a puppet than I think we've seen him before. To be In the graphic novel, that's one of his famous lines, is he's, he may be a puppet, but now he can see the strings at least. And he's cut the strings. But this time around, he seems to dance the dance that uh, Destiny and Time have, have chosen for him. And he, uh, he does not go against it. It's an, it's an interesting, complex take. The, the character is... If, if I were to be blunt about it, he's, a, he's quite different than the Dr. Manhattan that we know from the comics. He's still the same in a lot of ways, but he's different enough that, that there are definitely questions you could ask that about, you know, about this. I mean, but we've seen this before from Manhattan. Again, going back to the source material, when he just stands there and watches as the comedian blows away the his his lover and his love child who's pregnant with his child but is that perhaps part of the long game here does he experiencing time all at once does he see that by letting this happen maybe this is the birth of lady true this is how lady true comes to be this is what gives her her drive her motivation and she is the one to as as she is predicting for herself to save the world there's a lot there's a lot that could still happen, folks. I, you know, I don't. I, I feel like I've been playing the speculation game a lot lately on the podcast, which I think uh, a lot of you know is not my uh, favorite thing to do. Mostly because uh, it opens me up for being wrong, which is not my favorite thing in the world. But being a big person, I can admit when I'm wrong, and it's happened more than once with this show in particular. Not the podcast show, the Watchmen show. I've, I've you know, gotten a few things wrong. It happens, folks. But that's that's uh, that's where I want to kind of leave things. I think for the for this episode, you know, um, we're gonna have a big big sit down next week where we, where we wrap this puppy up and we just slice it to pieces and dissect it, and it's gonna be a, a grand grand time. Let me tell you that, okay? I'm just saying, Doctor Manhattan gonna be human. That's my that's my prediction. That's my shot. Also, Looking Glass is gonna do something cool. Don't know what. It'll be something cool. He's gonna, I think he's going to totally redeem himself. Yeah, we'll see. I could be wrong about that. That might be the one I'm wrong about. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Let's, let's wrap it up, folks. What do you say? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Uh, these Watchmen episodes have been a lot of fun for me, just like the Mandalorian ones have been. I hope you guys are enjoying them as much as I'm enjoying making them. But guess what? Good news. We're doing news. There's uh, Roger's coming back. We're doing the news this week, too. There's going to be another episode. Another episode this week. How do I have the time for this? It's insane. You guys can get rid of me. You're probably sick of hearing me by now. I'll have to give you a break during Christmas. But until Christmas, we're ramping it up, baby.
All right, thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my current Patreons. That would be the Aspen Hill Chody, the Squid Master General, Brian Broussard, and our newest Patreon, Jeff Nail, the Batman of Bay Park. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. It means the world to me that you guys are, are, are backing this show financially. It's incredible. It's incredible to me. Please follow along with the show on social media, at TomCast underscore PopCast on Twitter, at the TomCast underscore PopCast on Instagram. You can email the show at Tom not at TomCastPopCast at gmail.com. And if you want to join Pophead Nation like those lovely people I just mentioned, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash TomCastPopCast. Get in while the getting's good. And uh, for my newest Patreon, in case you listen to this, which I'm not sure you will because I don't think you're watching Watchmen, but the newest Patreon episode is scheduled to be recorded this weekend. It's happening. You're going to get it by next week, and it'll get you all pumped up and jazzed up for the next Star Wars film. That's the promise, folks. All right. Oh, and you know what? Subscribe to the show. Subscribe, share with your friends, do all that good stuff. I would, it would mean a lot to me. Uh, I would be forever grateful. So, again, thank you guys all so, so much, and I will talk to you guys soon. Happy holidays. Ciao, babes. We're not going to be fucking sunk this year. We're the Stanley Cup champions. Yeah.